This is from Matthew 5, verse 13. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Thank you very much, Naomi. Good evening, everyone. I'll try and step back a little bit so I can see the rest of you guys a bit more. It's brilliant to be back here tonight. Um, Did you know that you are saltier than you think? I'm not going to make you turn to your neighbor and say that would be a bit weird. Um, But you are saltier than you think. I'm going to start us off with um, political reference. That will get them going, I thought. Politics. Um, So a prediction that we'll have a general election in the next few months. Yay. Yeah, we probably will. There's something unique that comes with general elections. Um, Facebook arguments with your uncle. uh, Catchy slogans on buses. um, But also manifestos. Manifestos are parties' chances to say, this is what we are really like. Honest. If you vote for us, this is the direction that we'll take you in. It's a fact of history that rarely do any party's manifestos ever come into fruition. But, you know, we press on, try to get out of bed every morning and just, you know, make the most of it. Um, I wonder whether you knew that God has a manifesto out. For those of you who were around last week, Andy took us through... God's manifesto, Jesus went up a mountainside and told anyone who would listen about the kingdom of God, God's dominion, the way of God, the upside-down way, this way that the world couldn't really understand, couldn't really get. In fact, they rejected what Jesus said, and they killed him. Jesus preached on a mountainside, not in a temple or in a lecture theater, you know, to a bunch of largely uneducated, just very ordinary people. And it's funny when you think about it, isn't it? A few hundred years later, the Bible was almost exclusively available in Latin only, which only the priests could read, and ordinary people were excluded. They were no longer able to even access the teachings and the stories of Jesus. It's almost like this manifesto that Jesus laid out hasn't been completely adopted (laughs) by the church. It's almost like the church's manifesto has sometimes been completely different from the one that Jesus laid out for us. I don't know what you think about when you think about God, but that initial thought when Jesus or God is mentioned says says so much about where you're really at with God. And so if you don't know where to start, start here. Start with this sermon that Jesus preached, the kingdom of God is where the humble are lifted up. It's where those with nothing are gifted the promises of eternity. It's where those on the margins get blessings unimaginable. Those with nothing have a special portion of God's presence. And it's amazing. This is what God is like. 
He's kind and he's faithful and he's unlike any political party that the world has ever known, even the Lib Dems. Jesus shows us what God is like. Jesus is the word that God has spoken into the world and that word is a word of life and of freedom and it's a word of beauty as well. You are saltier than you think. Jesus says, listen up, this is how it's going to go down. If you're going to live kingdom lives, you're going to have to be like salt in the earth. You're going to have to shine brightly into this world. So firstly, what's the deal with salt? Salt brings out flavor, salt preserves, and salt can be used for healing. Salt can also be uh, used for red wine stains on cream carpets, but that's a different story. I don't think really that's what Jesus wanted me to talk about tonight. On the rare occasion that I cook for my wife, Claudia, uh, my heart always sinks when she tastes her first bite, and she immediately gets out of her seat, walks through to the kitchen to fetch the condiments. <laughs> it tastes amazing, she says, but... I actually think it tastes so nice that I really need to bring out the full flavor of what you've made. And I sit there thinking, I know that you're lying <laughs> as I tuck into my burnt chicken nuggets. <laughs> um, salt brings out the flavor in the food. It is not the food. If you have a main course of salt, get help. Think about it, salt on its own is disgusting. Salt has to get alongside something else. We lead um, a church in a little part of West Edinburgh called Stenhouse, as Nomi said. And in Stenhouse, we have a group of kids that love to hang about our church and just cause trouble constantly. And they're amazing, but they do test us from time to time. And um, we regularly have community meals where everyone can come in from the outside and just share food with us. That's a big part of what we do. Um, one week, a week after we had one of our community meals, everyone was having a cup of tea after church because what is church if you can't have a cup of tea? And um, just saw people's faces looking a bit strange as they were having their kind of get to know you conversations. And um, you've probably guessed it by now, but the week before, these amazing young people had stirred in a bag of salt into the bag of sugar. <laughs> Fair play. Sometimes you just have to say, hats off. You've got us there. Salt brings out the flavor. And Christians, those who follow Jesus, are supposed to bring out the God flavors in the world. Your life is not your own. You are not the star of the show. Jesus says, go, go and bring out the color and the texture and highlight the beauty of the world that we live in. One of the um, organizations that we partner with at Stenhouse is called Junction 42. Junction 42 get alongside people who are in um, or have been inside prison and they help them get back into employment. They help them get back stuck into community and also help them continue with their journey with God, if that's where they're at. And um, these people often then become the mentors who then help their friends and their family who might have been through similar challenges get back into work, get back into community, and continue their relationships with God. We are the salt of the earth. 
we get to mentor, we get to call out the good in what we see, and we get to bring out the flavors of people's lives that they didn't even know existed, they hadn't even tasted themselves. So are you a teacher? You get to be the salt of the earth by bringing out the best in your pupils. Are you a line manager? <laughs> Same. It doesn't have to be your job. Are you somebody's friend? Are you somebody's brother or sister? Do you exist as a person? <laughs> then this is for you. This is for you. Your life is not your own. You have to give it away and give it away and give it away. Jesus says if you want to find your life, you've got to stop living for yourself. And that's what being salt is all about. Here's a prayer that you can pray maybe. God, give me the insight to see and to call out your kingdom of God in my community, in my workplace, in my family. Bringing out the God flavors on the earth. If you want to take this one step further, you can pray, God, help me to encourage the have-nots. Help me to get alongside the humble of the earth, to speak life into those who might be poor, to those who are mourning, to let them know that God's plans not only include them, but God's plans depend on them to lead us all into God's presence again. This year, I don't know if you know, this year is the last year, sadly, of a big Christian conference called Soul Survivor. Soul Survivor has been an absolute gift to the UK over the last two, three decades. Hundreds of thousands, believe it or not, of people have been touched by people creating space for God and his spirit to move in worship, in prayer, in fun, in celebration. And for me, personally, Soul Survivor was the place that I really learned how to worship God. That my faith really sprung to life for the first time. It became real for me. At age 15, I would wait until everyone else had um, left to go partying and boogieing and drink lots of Diet Coke. And I would be super holy and wait right into the end and just sit in this massive big top tent and just think about how amazing God's love is. And uh, my brother Jonathan, who leads worship here quite regularly um, and quite badly, um, <laughs> he's not here. Sorry, Kirsty. Um, he's actually there with his son, Alfie. Today, I've got a little photo of these guys. Thank you, Michael. Very cute. Didn't have permission to rip that off your Instagram story, sorry. Um, but they're actually there just giving thanks to God for all that's happened there over the last 30 years. Lives transformed, like in incredible ways. People healed and God glorified in the most magnificent ways. But I want to just talk a bit of my own journey here and maybe connect with some of yours as well. I know that we've all got different journeys and that's totally true. The stats tell us that most of us who've come to faith in Jesus came to faith as teenagers. That's the highest proportion or younger. And, and a lot of, of us really committed our lives to God maybe at a summer camp or at something like Soul Survivor and it was an amazing experience. And God got a hold of your heart and like me, you worship with passion and you made promises to God about how you're going to live I mean, maybe it happened differently for you, and that's totally okay. Maybe it hasn't happened at all yet. Just stay with me for a minute. And maybe 
some of us have read this passage or other passages and think, oh, snap, that's me. I think Jesus is talking about me and I think I've lost my saltiness. You've probably never spoken those words out loud before, but maybe you've thought, actually, I've lost that passion that I had. I've lost that wide-eyed wonder that I started with, and, and I wish I could get it back, but I just can't. And you wonder, am I any use? Do I need to be thrown out and trampled underfoot? Are the best days behind me of my faith and, and my life and my walk with God? So here's this thing, which admittedly does sound a bit strange, but what if you were actually saltier than you thought? What if your faith has to change as you grow? What if you were never supposed to stay the same as when you first encountered Jesus? What if God is using you in amazing, powerful ways, but you just can't see it? What if you're stuck trying to get back where you started when God wants to just move you forward in relationship with him and show you new things and show you a new way? I don't think that we often do a very good job in church of preparing people for a changing faith. As if you're going to come to God when you're 8 or 15 or 18 or whenever and then just have exactly the same faith until you're 60 or 80 or 32. Don't laugh. It has to change. It has to evolve. It has to grow. And at times, I think that's going to be painful. And that's going to feel like losing something. But God is faithful. And I believe that if we continue to seek God with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our strength, then we will encounter him. But it might be different. And I'm not giving us permission to be lukewarm towards Jesus, no. I'm not saying that it's okay for us to wander away from God. I'm saying that maybe you've written yourself off because things are different and maybe you shouldn't have. Maybe our faith has to change to survive. Anybody with me tonight? The whole thing about the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus says to his gang of listeners and followers that this is the way of the kingdom. It's not just about thinking the right things, but it's also about how you live. He says very clearly, that's how people will see your good deeds, and then they will worship my Father in heaven. And in ancient times, salt was used for healing. Anybody been on a beach holiday and cut themselves? And what do, what do they say? Bit of interaction here, what do they say? Go in the sea. Get yourself in the sea and you'll be fine. And then you go in the sea and you're like, oh my goodness, it stings. Just me. <laughs> Salt brings healing. And, and actually, we've got to learn how to practice healing. Yes, in the supernatural sense and pray for that. But I think this is more about practicing reconciliation 
This is about practicing forgiveness in our lives and teaching those and showing those around us about the way of forgiveness, the way of reconciliation in our communities. And when we do that, when we start living that out, the kingdom of God, it's like a, an aroma that rises up to heaven, that God loves. It's a sweet smell to him. When we start living out the kingdom of God because of what he's doing in us. And it's better than chasing something that we once had. And when we adopt the practices of Jesus and implement them in our lives and learn how to pray and be kind and continue to seek God, our faith might be changing, but that's because it's growing. You are saltier than you think. I want to be honest, though, for a second. You know, it feels like, to me, a lot of people are really wrestling, such a cliche. Some people are even stepping away from faith at the moment or having serious wobbles. You know, you've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it. I've seen it. We need to talk about it. Questions sometimes for people seem too big. Experiences for some people seem too sparse and too fleeting. And they might say, or maybe you've said, it's not enough for me. And I could go on and on about this because it's something that I'm so passionate about. But let me say, please, let's practice talking about the faith that we have in Jesus. Please let this listening to me not be the only thing that you do. As amazing as this worship band, and yeah, I'm also talking, (laughs) um, is... (laughs) Because when we don't talk about it, we never grapple with it. And if we don't grapple with it, often things just fade away and other things come into focus and we begin to just forget about it. And you end up feeling this residual guilt that you need to share your faith, but really it's somebody else's faith because you've never spoken with anybody long enough to really own your own faith. So what does it look like to own our faith. I think that's the biggest challenge that we here today have as we interact with our culture in this world, as we look to be salt and light. Luke chapter 10 has always been an important chapter of the Bible for this church here at Central. It's about disciples being sent out into the world. It's, it's really about being salt and light. And one of the things that Jesus says in, to the disciples in Luke chapter 10 is that don't take any possessions with you. Keep it light. Don't take lots of extra baggage. And as much as he meant that literally to the disciples, I think we can read something else into it too. The faith that you share with the world around you shouldn't be this heavy burden to carry. You know, when you think about sharing your faith, does it feel like offloading a boulder onto somebody else's shoulders. That kind of rhymes. It shouldn't feel like putting salt in somebody else's tea. It should be joy. It should be light. It should feel like you're sharing freedom with a captive. It should feel like you're sharing food with somebody who hasn't eaten in days. It's time for us to to have a bit of a reckoning. What does my faith actually feel like? If the idea of sharing God's love 
into the world with others feels like a burden, then maybe it's time just to step back for a moment and assess, well, what's really going on here? Whose faith do I have? Do I really know this Jesus? Am I really part of this kingdom? Because there's an invitation, and Jesus talks about yolks and eggs, and he doesn't talk about eggs. He talks about yolks um, being light. This isn't supposed to be a boulder on our shoulder. Oh, yes. You are the salt of the earth. And saltiness is not charisma, it is not shazam, it isn't panache, pazam, I'm just making up words now. It's not the cha-cha slide. Just a little cultural reference for you guys. That's still, that's still quite high up the charts, isn't it? Yeah. It's you being you, not being somebody else, but you being you, holding fast to the promises of God, worshipping him, wrestling with him and his truth, while living out these practices of Jesus. Come on, you are the salt of the earth. And this is a beautiful thing. I love it. And this church has such a legacy of being salt in this city. So get shaking. Missional, focused communities bringing out the God flavors of Edinburgh. Don't you want to do that? This is happening every day. So what is Jesus talking about when he talks about losing our saltiness? Well, salt could get contaminated And that was a reality that they would have been aware of as they heard Jesus say this. And this is a fine line that we all walk as believers. When salt becomes properly contaminated, it loses its purpose. Its one job was really to bring flavor or preserve. And if it wasn't doing that anymore, then there's really not much point in it at all. So, yeah, throw it out. Ditch it. And the same with us. Our saltiness is our Christ-likeness. And that Christ-likeness should be distinctive. It should stand out. And there'll be times when we blend in, and there'll be times when we stick out a little more, but always it should feel like we are a beacon, we are a lighthouse, we are a light shining. If we lose our Christ-likeness, then what do we have to offer? Our participation in God's divine nature by the Spirit is what we have to offer. And so often the church has gone into full lockdown mode, into full preservation mode, and it's become so detached from everything else that it's become irrelevant and we just shout and chuck stuff from the sidelines and go, boo. We're full of disembodied concepts. But on the other side, so many individuals have gone gung-ho trying to change the world just by themselves. And they've got too sucked in and they've lost that kingdom presence and, and maybe found it really hard to continue without community. And the reality is that many Christians have gone into hiding. It's not, it's not a particularly easy time to be a Christian at the moment. The world around us is changing so much and many of us don't know what to do and so we hide our faith away from the world. Jesus says, if you had a lamp, would you hide it underneath a bowl? (laughs) It's one of those annoying questions where you're like, no, Jesus, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) For goodness sake, it's such an obvious question. (laughs) But a lot of us have lost confidence and so we live underneath a bowl 
Maybe we're ashamed somehow. Maybe we don't have the words to communicate to our friends what it means to have faith, so we just hide away. Maybe we're scared of how people are going to react if we tell them that we follow Jesus. But we've got to learn to own our faith again. Because there is no one like Jesus. This is not just a worldview club that we've chosen. This is fellowship. This is relationship with God. He's the best. He's the first and the last. He brings life to the full, but still we hide away. And ultimately, this salt and life stuff, this flavoring and shining, this is about connecting the world back to God. And that has always been the point. That's the point of Jesus' life. It's the point of his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and his church, connecting the world back to God. That's the big story that's bubbling away constantly in the background. And you are invited to be a supporting actress or actor in this grand narrative of the kingdom of God that's breaking in to the world. Are you going to take your part? Are you up for this? I could tell a story about an ugly duckling. I think most of you have heard it before. What if you are growing and growing into the leader and into the disciple that God has made you to be? What if you don't need to go backwards, but just take one step forwards? What if we were saltier than we thought? What if what we had could cause a holy nuisance with what God has given us? What if we didn't have to try and be somebody else? Wouldn't that be nice? So many of us feel like we're just a flickering candle that sometimes kind of creeps out from the bowl and says hello to the world and then runs back as quickly as we can. What if you were made to be a disco ball? Cheesy? Yes. True? I think so. We've all been made with the purpose of illuminating the beauty of God and life with him. Shine bright like a diamond. We all know, I hope, that a diamond doesn't actually shine, it reflects. I'm just going to read this verse from you for, from 2 Corinthians 3, which says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We get to reflect God's glory. And, and that totally coincides with what Jesus says in chapter 5. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Maybe we've overcomplicated it. There's a man called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he led a group called the Confessing Church. And the Confessing Church refused to conform to the will and the demands of Hitler and the Nazi party. Most believers, most people would have shrunk back in fear of all the horror that surrounded them and held on for heaven. 
But Bonhoeffer knew that sometimes it's in the darkest times that the people of God are called to shine brightly, not shrinking back. And in fact, as he stood strong in the face of the Nazi uprising, he gave this rallying cry to the church to shine brightly. And he said this, hopefully it's behind me, flight into the invisible is a denial of the call. And a community of Jesus which seeks to hide itself has ceased to follow him. Okay. Wow. When we hide away, we're not actually really being the people of God. And society is changing, isn't it? It can feel harder, it can feel weirder, not easier to be a Christian in a society that doesn't really do God anymore. But we were made to shine. Paul says that you will shine among them like stars in the sky in a crooked and depraved generation as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. We put our light on a stand and we light up the communities that we live in. This light carries freedom, it carries grace, and it carries the love of God. And just finally, we reflect the glory of God into the world through our good deeds, not just our right thoughts. And it's time we had a reckoning with this. How we live does really matter. More than we've said, more than we've emphasized before. Anybody know when you're going home and you walk past somebody having the most amazing smelling curry and you just think, yep, that's tonight sorted. I'm going home and I'm ordering a curry. Okay, scribble that one out, won't use that one next time. Anybody lick the bowl before they've put a cake in the oven? Those two things are called a foretaste. And we, the people of God, we are this kind of signpost, foretaste of God's kingdom. We get the privilege of being these heralds that say to the world, hang on a minute, over here, there's a God. He loves you. His kingdom is all of this stuff. It's this amazing place where those who the world has forgotten about are lifted up. And we get to share that message to the world. So what we're going to do with this challenge from God to be salt and to be light. Well, so much of what I said tonight is about not overthinking it. So it wouldn't make sense if I gave you a, a list of 13 things to go away and consider. I think it's just giving our yes again to Jesus. Doesn't that feel kind of simple? But also quite hard. But also quite simple. But yet yeah, still hard. He doesn't want our perfection doesn't he just wants our hearts you know we can turn we can repent from living contaminated lives where that hasn't been helpful we can repent from living in hiding and instead embrace being filled with the spirit the spirit of courage and we can repent and turn from cutting ourselves off from the world and say god i want to be back in the ring help me shine help me live for you. Help me bring healing to communities.
Help me prioritize worshiping you above everything else that comes my way. And we'll pray that we may all experience the peace and the grace and the joy of communion with God. So we're going to pray together now and just ask God to speak some more. Yes, we love you, Lord. Thank you for this word that you've blessed us with tonight, that your kingdom, which has started to break in and will reign forever, is a place of freedom. It's a place of joy and it's a place of beauty and we are in it right now. We pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that for our lives individually. We pray that for this church. That this church would be salt and light in this city, bringing out the God flavors of even the tiniest things and the smallest conversations that you would be working, God. I guess I just want to pray tonight, God, for all the people who feel like their faith in Jesus Christ is just a a heavy burden that they have been wearing for a long time. And God, I pray that by your spirit that you would show us a better way, a more perfect way of love where we can actually just love the faith that we have in you. So God, give us the wisdom, give us the insight right now in this moment to reflect on on where we're at with you. If we've been trying to go backwards to find out where we started, help us to move forward. If we have just been slowly stepping back from the things of your kingdom, help us to understand that, that your kingdom is the best place that we could possibly be. Jesus, you came for us to have life and live it to the full. I just pray that you'd release that vision for each one of us now. Thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We pray for this church to be joyful and to want to talk about the hard things together and to find you there in the difficult chats and in the worship times and in the day by day slugging it out looking to follow you Jesus thank you God that your arms are always open wide when your children turn back to you thank you that you've prepared a feast for us Help us to shake off all the stuff that you don't want us to carry. And that's not a small prayer. Because some of us have been carrying this stuff for decades. Where we've been trying to prove everyone wrong. Where we've missed out on living in your kingdom because we've just been caught up in having right thoughts. Thank you that you welcome us into freedom tonight, God. Thank you for your cross. Thank you for your divine love that's like no other.